because there were some that I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what that allergen is, but like it makes me want to just take a potato peeler and peel my skin off. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. What's up, Oh My Allergies fam? Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. Today is Tuesday, so happy Tuesday, guys. If you're listening to this on a Tuesday, if you are new, we put out episodes on Tuesdays. We make Tuesdays a lot more better. If you are new, I am Valencia. Very nice to meet you. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? Make sure you are subscribed to the pod on your podcast platform of choice. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, just any platform that you can listen to podcasts on. Make sure that you stop, drop, roll, and rate the podcast. Hopefully your rating is five stars. And also leave the show a review because it really helps with growing our community and being able to reach new peeps like yourselves. Also follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is at ohmyallergies. My Instagram is at ohmyvalencia. And just keep on sharing the pod with people you know or do not know. Now, today's episode is going to be about a topic that I have gotten a good amount of questions around and is something that a lot of people uh, do to just rule out what allergens they can and cannot have. And that topic is allergy testing. So I am going to be diving into what is allergy testing, my own personal experience with getting allergy tested, and just pretty much everything I wish that I knew going into allergy testing um, before doing it. So before we get into today's episode, you guys know I got to talk about what's been going on with me. on with me well I recently had a family member pass away so I had to take a break from the podcast because of that to focus on that and really just be there for my family during this very um trying season and very um hard to get through type of season but that's kind of why I kind of took a break and why there's not been some episodes for a couple weeks. But on a lighter note, um, I told you guys about how I've been in my health girl era and wanting to get more serious about my fitness and being able to use all of my muscles. So I am going to be doing a Pilates class soon and I am very excited about it. I've done Pilates before in the past, but not since the pandemic started. Um, I had just started to do Pilates before the pandemic and before they told us to go in our homes and not come out unless you have to do grocery shopping. So let's talk about crazy times when that was a thing but anyway like on the same sheet of music I purchased some running slash walking shoes I purchased some from Saucony or Saucony as some people say it as well as Brooks I was trying to look at a few different brands and trying to see like what's like considered I guess a good shoe even though it's kind of subjective and having to read through a lot of reviews and things like that especially because so many different people's experiences with the same shoe is just so it's so vast like it could be like really good or really really bad so it really just depends on you and like your foot um, I'm still testing them out um, I actually have a pair um, on my feet as I'm talking with you guys right now but honestly as I've been digging into this I have learned so much about running shoes it's insane there's like so much to take into consideration when you are going running shoe shopping like how the same shoe size you may wear in your everyday life might not be the same shoe size that you will be needing for a walking shoe or a running shoe because when you are either running or walking your feet swell your 
feet expand. So your feet need room for those situations when your foot is expanding, especially since when you are running, you're putting around two to three times your body weight on your feet due to, you know, all of the pressure and your body weight and the gravity and inertia and all of those other little sciencey things. But yeah, it's definitely been a tricky process. I also recently, and by recently, I mean within the past couple of days or so, found out about a thing called foot volume, which is different from how wide or narrow your feet are. So it's kind of crazy. If you are a runner, you definitely understand what I'm saying. But I have been getting caught up in all of those things uh, lately and really just trying to figure out what types of shoes work better for my feet and finding out about my gait and like all of these other little runner sciencey things. Um, but in other news, the Super Bowl took place this past weekend and I was rooting for the Chiefs and the Chiefs won and I'm very pumped about it. Now, out of the two teams, I was the most familiar with the Chiefs due to Travis Kelsey because back in the day, he had a reality dating show on E! Call Catching Kelsey. I was one of the 10 people who actually watched it and found it to be somewhat entertaining, but he has come a long way since then. But speaking of Super Bowl, I saw the halftime performance from Rihanna, thought it was like really, really good. Like I actually knew every single song that she performed and her performance made me realize like, wow, she has so many good songs and hits and she's just such a really great singer. And I know some people were like complaining about her performance being like, oh, like she didn't really dance. She didn't put on a show. But I thought that it was a great performance considering that she's pregnant, which was a surprise to the general public who was watching. But um. Other than, you know, that kind of just kept it pretty low key for Super Bowl Sunday, Um, went to church earlier in the day, then watched the Super Bowl and then ended up going to Starbucks to be able to use my stars since Starbucks is changing their reward program because now you got to use more stars to get more of the same items, which is kind of crazy, but must be because of, I don't know, the supply chain or something. I have no idea. If you know, you know, it's an inside joke. But that is pretty much what's been going on with me. So I can get right into my foodie likes and talk about some of the things I've been really enjoying lately. One of the first things, well, I think all of these things, yeah, all of these things are from Trader Joe's because I have been a Trader Joe's girly lately. I have been going to other different locations and seeing what other locations have versus other locations and just wanting to see what are some other things that Trader Joe's has to offer because not every location sells every little thing so it's so cool like when you go to different ones you're able to see like sometimes different items that you're like oh I didn't even know Trader Joe's sold this so um nothing like this is in this week's foodie likes I think everything that I am going to talk about has been found in every Trader Joe's that I've ever been to. Um, But the first foodie like I want to talk about is their unsweetened black tea. Sadly, they just recently discontinued this tea, which is very heartbreaking to me because it is one of my favorite iced tea beverages ever. It's just so good. And um, it's their unsweetened black tea. Sadly, they don't have it anymore. Um, But I really like it because it gives you a little bit of caffeine if that's what you're wanting, but you don't full on want coffee. I like drinking this tea when I'm like on like my my period or anything like that. If I want a little bit of some caffeine to be able to help me get over the humps throughout my day. Um, It just has a really nice, bold, smooth flavor to it. It's just so good and so tasty. And I know when I have tried other black teas in the past, they tend to be more so on the weaker or watery side. Like, no, this tea was just so, so good. I believe they sell this tea at like other grocery stores too so fingers crossed I can find it other places because if I can't then I'm going to be really really sad about it but I have been drinking that lately I have it in my fridge right now and it's just 
so good like it's such a high quality black tea it just oh my goodness it tastes so good and it didn't cost that much because it's from Trader Joe's so oh my goodness that's been something I've been drinking a lot lately um another one of my favorites from Trader Joe's has been their Jacama wraps I'm not sure if I've talked about this on the pod before but I make these little tacos with the Jacama wraps because they're just so good it's nice and crisp and it's very like has a refreshing taste to them so I'll put like veggies in there put some avocado some salsa put some dairy-free cheese in there and sometimes well most of the time I will put some sort of protein in there so usually my go-to protein when I make these types of tacos is shrimp so if you can't have shrimp you can substitute your favorite protein that you can eat so whether that's tofu if you can have soy or any meat like chicken if you do that type of thing but highly recommend the jacama wraps they're just so good they're nice and refreshing I know the first time I tried them I was like oh my goodness I'm gonna put them in the pan like I would with regular tortillas don't do it you will be disappointed and you will look at the wrap like what just happened it looks weird shriveled up and burnt and it's just it's just disgusting so Highly recommend just having them as is. Usually what I'll do is just take them out of the container and pat them dry because they are a little bit wet because that's how you preserve the jacama so it doesn't go bad quickly. Um, so there's liquid in the container when you first get them. But highly recommend them. It's so great for like a snack if you just want to eat the wraps on their own. You can have them for lunch. You can have them for dinner. It's such a good time. So highly recommend trying those. And then another favorite is the Trader Joe's smoked salmon. It's their oak roasted smoked salmon. Now I've been a smoked salmon fan for a very long time. I've talked about my love for smoked salmon on the podcast before. Um, but one thing that's really concerning when it comes to smoked salmon is the amount of salt that can be found depending on the manufacturer. So came across this one at Trader Joe's and I love the fact that the whole package has around like 570 to 580 milligrams of salt which for smoked salmon that's really really low at least from the smoked salmons that I've seen because I've seen smoked salmons the whole package be like up to a hundred well not a hundred but up to like 1200 milligrams of like sodium in the whole entire package that's a lot of salt. I think the recommended daily intake for sodium is like in the in the upper like nine uh, like nineteen hundreds maybe. I think it's like nineteen hundred or two thousand milligrams is the daily recommended intake for sodium. So it's like if you're having a whole package of smoked salmon in a day, you're not giving yourself that much wiggle room for the amount of recommended daily intake for your sodium. And like sodium is found in like so many things you don't even really think about. So it kind of just makes you think at food in a, such a different lens. So I've been trying to find a smoked salmon that tastes really good, but also has a lower sodium count. So I found that this is kind of like a happy medium for me. I'm always on the search for finding one that's even lower. So if anyone knows of any brands that has even less than like 500 milligrams in the whole package, let me know on the podcast Instagram or Instagram pages at oh my allergies. So let your girl know. But those have been the things that I've been really enjoying lately have been my go to's. And highly recommend you try them out. But with that being said, let's get right into this week's allergy news article. So this week's allergy news article is titled Family Files Wrongful Death Lawsuit After Student Suffers Fatal Allergic Reaction at Suburban University. So in Chicago, um, apparently there was a lawsuit that was filed against a university that was claiming a freshman died after eating contaminated food at the campus dining hall uh, last summer. And so the family of this 18 year old is really trying to figure out what's going on and the accountability piece within this whole situation. So there was a complaint that was filed with the circuit court locally saying that the freshman had an allergy to fish and that 
in August of last year, he ate food from the dining hall at the university that was labeled allergen-free. The lawsuit claims that the food that the freshman ate was cross-contacted with allergens, and then he suffered a severe allergic reaction, was found by a fellow football teammate, and collapsed in the hallway. EMS apparently went and administered life-saving measures before taking him to a local hospital and then he was pronounced dead sadly the same day. It's just very interesting how a lot of people really don't understand the severity that comes with the whole idea of cross-contact and cross-contamination, especially for food allergies like that is so key especially because I know when people are trying to figure out what school they're trying to go to whether it's from a parent's point of view or whether it's from a student's point of view especially when you're looking at different colleges and universities and you're trying to figure out where do you want to go if you are a person that has food allergies you are definitely keeping that in mind as you are weaning your list through of colleges and universities that you're actually considering i know when i was really considering different colleges and universities that was one of the questions i would ask when i did a tour trying to figure out you know what are their accommodations when it comes to their dining hall you know how do they go about being able to cater to people who have certain dietary restrictions whether it's for food allergy reasons whether it's for religious reasons etc so I just think that, you know, when you're in those types of tours and you're having those conversations, you're able to meet with the head chef of said dining hall for your university or college that you're interested in. And they're giving you that reassurance that's making you feel safe and okay as a student, as a family. You're like, hey, this is going to be great. You know, we're not going to have any problems or anything like that. And so when you come across a situation like the one I'm talking about now, you know, it's just very, very, very unfortunate. And it makes me think about um, an episode that we did a while ago where we had a guest on the podcast and they were talking about their experience navigating the dining hall in college and how it really is a struggle sometimes because colleges and universities don't always do the best job at food labeling or things get mixed up or signs fall down and they're just not staying on top of things as much as we as people with allergies think that they should and just generally speaking they should be on top of that and for me like going into a dining hall and you're interested in a food and then you go up to somebody who works in the dining hall and you're like hey like what are the ingredients in this said dish because there's no sign on it and they're giving you like a quote guesstimation we kind of have a problem here because the guesstimation could be life or death situation for me and my allergies so hopefully universities and colleges are gonna realize that it's very important to make sure that not only that their labeling system for the different foods and snacks and drinks that they offer within their dining hall, they're staying on top of it, but also having that transparency, you know, not only for labeling of foods, but also for when parents and families and students are inquiring about these things when they're really considering a college and university because as a person with food allergies, that is something that's a main priority because a lot of the time, especially when you're at college, a lot of the different social situations that you are going to be put in revolve food, eating, going out, stuff like that. And you spend a lot of time, especially when you're a freshman, in the dining hall. So it's definitely very, very key um, to make sure that you just get it right when it comes to colleges and universities for labeling foods and making sure that they have allergen-friendly foods available and that they're labeled properly and they are stored properly in a way from the other foods that have allergens in them and that they're not doing that cross-contact and cross-contamination within their kitchen and their practices for handling foods. So like always, if you want to find more information around the article that is discussed in each episode, then definitely take a look at our show notes. We will have the link there as well as links to additional resources related to 
this episode. So definitely take a look at the show notes, look at the article in its full entirety because we don't cover every inch of each allergy news article, just different highlights and different talking points to really start a discussion here on the podcast. But with that being said, let's get right into this week's episode, which is all about allergy testing, allergy test, what is an allergist, and kind of what to expect and some nice to haves and nice to knows when going to your first allergist appointment. Like I say in these types of episodes, I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be either of those things. These are just things that I know from personal experience and research that I've done, and I encourage you all to do research on your own as well. So let's get right into allergy testing. If you're not familiar with allergy testing, um, or maybe you have, because allergy testing is something that um, if you're in the allergy space, then you probably have heard it a lot. You've heard the term, oh, allergy testing, or oh, allergy tested. And I know on the podcast, I've talked about how, you know, once you have realized that you're experiencing unusual symptoms after either ingesting or being exposed to something or a food or a product, or you kind of have this suspicion that you have allergies, but you haven't been formally diagnosed with them, it's usually a good rule of thumb to go to an allergist so that you're able to get to the root of like what's going on. And if allergy testing is needed for you to be able to get to the root of what's going on and like why your body is reacting the way that it is. But before I dive into allergy testing even more, um, I kind of want to level set and talk about what actually is an allergy test. Um, if you are new to the allergy world, you may not be familiar with what an allergy test or what allergy testing is. So an allergy test is an exam that is performed by a trained allergy specialist to be able to figure out whether your body has an allergic reaction to a known substance. And so a doctor may perform an allergy test to really be able to figure out whether your immune system is overreacting to certain substances, which we know as allergens. And so if you have an allergic reaction, then it means that you have an allergy. And so on the podcast, we've talked about so many different things that you can possibly be allergic to, from mold to pollen to pet dander to latex to having food allergies like peanuts, milk, and soy. So that is kind of a little bit about what an actual allergy test is. And the reason why a doctor may perform an allergy test is if you have allergy symptoms that are really just bothering you. And if you have asthma, then that is also something that a doctor may take into consideration, specifically an allergist and really wanting to identify what are the triggers um, for your allergic symptoms or your allergic-like symptoms that can actually worsen asthma symptoms or bring on an asthma attack. And so there's really actually is a connection to asthma and allergies, which is something that I definitely want to talk about on the podcast. But that is kind of a little bit more about what an allergy test is and why a doctor, specifically an allergist, may want you to take one. Now, I know a small percentage of people may be thinking, oh, like diagnosing and treating allergies, that's something that's like super straightforward. And any doctor should be able to administer, you know, the most effective treatment and therapy for you. So like what's so special about an allergist in particular? Now, that is uh, not the case at all. And allergists, the reason why allergists are really important, especially within the allergy community, is because they're experts in their field and they have specialized training that really allows them to perform that allergy testing that I'm going to be getting into today. Um, being able to get down to the source of why you're experiencing the symptoms that you're experiencing, being able to accurately diagnose what your condition is, being able to develop 
develop a plan that is personalized to you to help you eliminate as much of your symptoms as possible and being able to provide you with different options for the most cost-effective care that's going to produce the best results for you and for you and your family or for your child or partner, what have you. Now, you're in a situation where you're like, okay, I'm thinking that I have an allergy, don't really know what it is, or you're experiencing those unusual symptoms that I was talking about, then you're going to want to visit an allergist and have like that first appointment. So when you visit an allergist for the first time, the doctor will usually ask you about your health, ask about any medications you're currently taking, um, ask about your family history in terms of whether members of your family have asthma or allergies like hay fever hives or skin rashes like eczema. We'll also ask you what made you come into the office today and really wanting to know about the symptoms that you are currently experiencing and wanting to know like when they occur, how often do they happen, and what are some things that you have noticed patterns around around like what seems to bring those symptoms on. Um, the allergist will probably also ask you about your work, home, and eating habits to really see if those are going to be clues to help pinpoint your allergy. Also, another thing that they may do is a physical exam. I'm talking about like looking in your ears, looking up your nose, like those like traditional things. And also being able to perform an allergy test, which is what we are talking about again today. So I had actually two different experiences with two allergist offices. One allergist office had it where the first visit slash appointment was more of a quote like consultation visit and an allergy consultation is pretty much that first step that you're taking into being able to figure out what is actually going on with you and the symptoms that you are experiencing. So that's when all of the questions about your whole little medical history and the different symptoms that you're experiencing. So be prepared to be asked so, so, so many questions because they really just want to be able to better understand you and your circumstance and your symptoms and knowing if they're triggered if you're in certain environments um, depending on what you are experiencing so if you're like hey I experience different symptoms when I'm around you know dogs at an animal shelter when you're doing a lot of volunteer work or if you're volunteering in a warehouse putting together um, you know boxes for full of books and there's a lot of dust around and you feel yourself sneezing and having problems breathing then those are things that they're going to want to know during that first consultation visit. I was under the impression that this also included doing allergy testing in the same visit. I didn't find out until at the end of the visit that I would have to set up another appointment to do allergy testing and the whole visit at the allergist just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way because like as I was scheduling it, they were making it seem like I could get allergy testing done in the same appointment. But then they were like, no, you can't at the end of the appointment. It was just giving very much schemer energy. So after that visit, hate my copay, even though I didn't really want to and told myself, okay, I need to find another place. So I did so much research on allergist offices and really came across one that seems like it was going to be a better experience and the experience between this new office and the other place was literally like night and day the waiting time was pretty much nothing at the new place whereas the first place I went to they had like a long waiting time even though I got to my appointment early which was kind of crazy plus my first visit consisted of a consultation and getting allergy testing done in the same appointment in the same day which was great which is what I was told at the previous place so Really like that. Also, the allergy testing cost at the new place was less, so it honestly just worked itself out, to be honest. But one thing that I was told going into my appointment and being able to prep for the allergy testing was to not take any antihistamines for about like a week or two, um, as the test that I was doing was the skin prick test, which leads me to my next point, which is around the different types of allergy tests. So there are two common allergy tests there's the skin allergy test and then there's the blood allergy test. Now when it comes to skin testing, that's typically the test that's considered to be quote like the gold standard and is used along with your medical history to really be able to find out exactly what things you may be allergic to. So 
Like I said, there are some medicines that can interfere with skin testing, so you should let your allergist know about any medications that you're taking. Uh, like I said, I was told I needed to be off Allegra and Flonase, which are the medicines I typically take for my environmental allergies, going into my allergy testing because antihistamine would be in my body and it could interfere with my test results. So if you have antihistamine in your body when you do an allergy test, especially in skin allergy tests, your skin may not react, so you may get a false negative on certain allergens during your test so that's definitely something to keep in mind when you are scheduling that appointment to get the actual testing done but they will tell you all this when you get into the office but these are just things that I wish that I knew going into it before I even started trying to schedule the appointment like these are just things that I think are really just nice to know also skin tests they're done in an allergist office and the cool thing about the skin test is that they give you fast results and they usually cost less than an allergy blood test. And one thing to also keep in mind is that, that there are two different types of common allergy tests and because of that the allergist will determine what test method is the most appropriate for you and is the safest to perform on you after like looking at your like medical history and doing that physical exam. Um, because even though yes, that there is the skin test and the blood test, um, depending on the person. Um, and this is something that my allergist told me, like they take all of that into consideration around what testing method they're going to go through with. So for me, the best thing for me was getting the skin test, but Maybe for somebody else, the best thing might be a blood test. So it really kind of just depends and really wanting to get to the root of your allergy. So it all comes down to your allergies and what they think is best for you based off of your medical history um, and your physical exam and just based off of the conversation that you have with them. And then they make those conclusions while you're in the office with them. So under the umbrella of skin allergy testing, there's actually two types of skin tests. There is uh, the prick test slash the scratch test. And in this test, there's a tiny drop of a possible allergen. So something that you're allergic to is either pricked or scratched into your skin. So when I went to um, the allergist, how mine went was that they had like a panel of like around like 10 to 50 different potential allergens and so they used a, a thin needle to be able to prick my skin on my forearm and sometimes I've seen pictures like on social media where they'll do it on a person's back it kind of just depends but they will prick your skin with the different potential allergens and then um, will wait a little while around like probably maybe like 10 to 15 minutes to kind of see like how your skin reacts or um your allergist may place like droplets of the potential allergens onto your skin and then use like a device to be able to scratch and like lightly like puncture the area and then that causes the liquid to be able to enter into your skin and so your reaction could just be a variety of things you could get raised round spots on your skin you could get a rash it kind of really just depends on how your body is reacting to the allergen because it's really what an allergy test is just watching to see how your body is going to react to a potential allergen and that is the most common type of skin test and this is literally the test that I did oh, oh my gosh I just remember being in the office and them having like this long like tray of these little drops that they use to like prick into my skin and then it was Kind of interesting and cool how they were like tracking which dots in different areas that they pricked on my skin was for what allergen. And like that's how they were able to like be like, oh, like this this little area that's near like your elbow, you know, this is for I don't know, nuts. So we know that based off of the reaction that's happened in that area, that is pertaining to the allergen of nuts for this particular example that I'm talking about. So it was very interesting. And the effects that having that prick test, it was pretty much immediate. And there are so many different parts on my arm. They use both of my arms for the test that I did. And my arms were literally on fire. I wanted to scratch my skin off. That's how 
uncomfortable um, it was. It was like my skin was like really red and inflamed and I had welts. Some welts were bigger than others. And it was definitely interesting because there were some that I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what that allergen is, but like it makes me want to just take a potato peeler and peel my skin off it's just so uncomfortable it's burning it's it's so like I was literally shifting in my chair but they're like you need to stay still because like we still have other uh things to do for the prick test and I was like oh my gosh can this just be over like I it was just so uncomfortable so just kind of go into the allergy test knowing that there are going to be some things and some reactions that you're going to have in the allergy test if you're doing the skin one that are going to make you uncomfortable make you want to scratch but you kind of just have to just go through it and when it was over I was just so happy that it was very much over um, because I just wanted to be able to scratch my arm but I still couldn't scratch my arm even when they were done so that was the part that I was kind of frustrated by. The other type of skin test is called the intradermal test, and that test shows whether someone is allergic to things like insect stings and penicillin, and usually a small amount of the possible allergen is injected under your skin through a thin needle. Now, skin tests are usually the tests that people in the allergy space, whether you're in it or you are kind of a little bit familiar about allergies, you're probably more familiar with skin tests. And that's because they've just been used for like more than 100 years. Um, They're just the most commonly used type of skin test. And typically these tests, they're not very invasive. And like I said, they tend to produce very quick results for most allergens. And if the results of your prick or scratch test are negative, then, you know, they may be followed by that intradermal test that I was talking about. And that gives allergists more details um, and insight into what's actually causing the symptoms that you are experiencing. Now, like I said, when you're doing this test, there are going to be some allergy symptoms that could possibly occur. So I experienced a lot of itching. I experienced welts. I even had it where like first for my um, allergy test, they did um, they did the skin test for um salt water and so they say that they usually do a salt water one just to make sure that you have not had any antihistamine slash don't have antihistamine in your body currently because you're not supposed to be on them prior to taking this test and so I was like oh my gosh I couldn't really tell which one was the salt water on my skin but like I had like a big welt and it was red and it was burning and it was itching and I was like oh my gosh like what is that and they're like that's salt water and they're like that is usually not one that gives people that big of a reaction but I had a big reaction that I was just like wow I guess I am very much allergic to salt water but then fast forward months and months and months and months later um, I was having some like issues with like my eyes and stuff like that and so I was prescribed these eye drops and so I had these eye drops I was taking them in my eye but then like I would get a ring around my eye and it would be itching and burning and like it would eat away at my skin I would get a rash I would get bumps it was just it was just a very terrible situation and I was like oh my gosh and like I told my 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 optometrist like what was going on I was just like I don't know what's going on like I'm getting this rash around my eye and it's like a ring and it hurts really badly um I try to put ice on it to help with cooling down the inflammation everything but like it's still very much irritating me they were just like I don't really know they were just trying to get me on another type of eye drop but then I was like let me look at the ingredients of the current eye drops guess what was in there guys salt water was in these eye drops and they were causing a rash around my eye and I was just like wow like it's just so crazy it's just like things like that something that some people view as being simple like salt water it can cause an allergic reaction if you're allergic to it so I learned in my allergy test that I am allergic to salt water I was just like wow so that's why I've never really been interested in a beach it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. But um, it's just so many different symptoms that you could possibly experience during your test. Um, I know when I had got tested for 
other nuts because as I've talked about on the podcast, I am allergic to macadamia nuts. Um, I found out through this test that I also have a peanut allergy, which I thought was very interesting. And it kind of goes back to some other previous topics that we've talked about on the podcast before, where like when I was a lot younger, I would have peanuts, um, but it wasn't something that I was into really like I would have them sometimes I wasn't the kid that liked peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or anything like that it would be more so like peanut butter like crackers you know you like use like the like the Ritz like crackers and like you put like peanut butter in between like I would have those like every once in a blue moon it wasn't something that I was definitely into or was like a favorite snack of mine but I would have them sometimes if I was in the mood for it but then like there would be so much time in between when I would have them and when I would not have them and so I've just lately I've just not really been into peanuts like that and so just to find out in an allergy test that I am allergic to peanuts and like that is an allergen that I need my OVQ for I was just like wow okay so another thing to add to the list I actually found out that I was allergic to a lot more things than I thought. Like I was allergic to things like flounder and like allergic to, I don't know, just like the, like the weirdest things like crab, um, but I can have shrimp. So it's just, it's just very interesting. I'm also found out I was allergic to eggs. So breakfast for me is officially ruined, at least American style breakfast. So I've not really been into having breakfast lately because of that. So um, that was very, very, very hard to take because as I was talking with my allergist, I was like, oh, um, when you're allergic to eggs, kind of like, what does that, what does that mean? You know, does that mean that you can't, like, what part of the egg are you typically allergic to? And so the allergist was like, oh, it's usually probably like the egg white. And mind you, prior to me doing this allergy testing and this allergist visit, I would have breakfast and for breakfast, I would have egg white omelets or like egg white breakfast sandwiches or like just egg whites on egg whites on egg whites every single day. So to find out that that said thing is the thing that I'm allergic to, I was just like, wow. And then I was just like, well, I've been eating it a lot. Like, how how do you when you're in a situation like that where you eat something but you don't really get like a rash or anything like how do you really know that you're allergic to it if you're not taking an allergy test and so he was like well kind of do some experimenting in terms of like taking it out of your diet and see if you notice a difference and guys I noticed a difference and I was just like wow like I felt so much lighter like I felt like a lot more of the effects that I was feeling was more so like internal rather than the typical like rash or like bumps or like hives those types of allergy symptoms so I just thought it was just like very very interesting and so I haven't had eggs for like over a year and I, it just makes me so sad because I'm just like oh I liked having eggs so much uh, I felt like that was the best part of having fried rice so it's just like it just it just ruins a lot of things for me to be honest so I definitely can relate to all the people out there who are allergic to eggs because girl same guy same <laughs> but that is uh some of the things around like the skin testing side of things um so now I want to talk about the other type of allergy test which is the blood test so blood tests they typically involve a single needle prick and typically for a blood test a medicine doesn't typically interfere with the results however it does take a long time to get the results and depending on the test there could be false positives and so blood tests they cost more than skin tests I know when I was in um my allergy testing session uh Typically, when they have the panel of like all the different allergens that they're testing you for, um, they're like the typical set allergens. You know, it's not as specific to, you know, oh, like, are you allergic to like Brazil nuts? Like it's a, it's more general like, oh, like tree nuts or almonds or peanuts, you know walnuts stuff like that you know it's not for specific specialized types of cases so for example for me like I would not have known that I was allergic to macadamia nuts from taking a skin test 
typically for something like that from talking with my allergist at least always in these types of situations I would say to definitely ask your own allergist if you have any questions or concerns around things that you possibly could be allergic to but in my particular case when it came to macadamia nuts when I talked with my allergist they were like hey that's something that would probably come up more so in a allergy blood test if you just wanted to take that to just be extra sure. But for me, I'm like my throat closing up and me almost needing to go to the emergency room is enough to tell me that I have an anaphylactic allergy. <laughs> that is enough for me. So I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I am allergic to macadamia nuts. Um, but there are so many different allergy blood tests out there. It's just one thing from doing a little bit more research into blood testing for allergy tests is that there is a risk um, with them with pain or bleeding at the needle mark and then also like if you are one of those people that is not that big a fan of blood uh, you could faint so that is one thing that you kind of have to think about when you're going through blood testing now, I don't think I'm one of those people that could faint but I mean you never know some people it depends on the day for them on how their relationship with looking at blood is or just the idea of knowing that blood is coming into a needle, you know. So it's just it's just very interesting how, you know, there's so many different types of tests. Well, I mean, there's only two in this case, but like how these different tests can affect so many different people. And it's kind of like an umbrella when it comes to allergy testing, which I just find to be very, very very, very interesting. So now you're probably thinking, okay, I took an allergy test, ended up finding out that I do indeed have an allergy. Like what typically happens after this? So if you discover that you have an allergy, there are a few different ways to be able to proceed. So if it's an allergy to a food, um, depending on the severity, which is also measured when you're taking the allergy test, it could be something as simple as just removing that food from your diet and just like not having it at all or not having it in your house. Or it could be requiring some sort of treatment. So if it is something like um, having an allergy to environmental allergens like the grass or um, having environmental allergies to cats or dogs in those types of cases. And in some cases, your doctor could prescribe something like an antihistamine or a corticosteroid, um, depending on the severity of your allergies. Um, I know we had a guest a while back on the podcast that talked about how, you know, they have a cat allergy, but because of the symptoms that they experience, it more so puts their cat allergy into being something that is anaphylactic. And so they need a EpiPen slash AviQ slash auto injector. So it really comes down to not what you are allergic to, but the severity and the symptoms that come along with the allergic reaction that you have. So just because you are allergic to something like grass and some people might be like, oh, like being allergic to grass is not a big deal. But if you have symptoms that are making you have problems breathing, your throat close up, you feel like you're about to faint, then those symptoms are typically associated with anaphylaxis. And so you may need an OVQ or auto injector for that particular allergy because of the symptoms that you're experiencing. Um, some other things that could possibly be presented to you is immunotherapy, which is known as allergy shots. Um, allergy drops I know is a thing. Also, like I talked about, having that epinephrine slash auto injector could be a possible a treatment for you and your allergy. So it really kind of just depends on what your symptoms are and how you react in the allergy test is going to be pretty much how your allergist is going to proceed forward. But definitely in a case like this, your allergist is going to be your best bet of knowing like, okay, what are the next steps for if we do discover, hey, I am allergic to blank 
What do I need to do? And that's when an allergist comes in and puts together a personalized plan for you to be able to eliminate your symptoms as much as possible and being able to help you um, navigate the situation of not having that allergen around you. If it's easy to do that or if it's not easy to do that and the steps and advice to be able to navigate that type of situation. So that's usually kind of how it goes for me in my particular case when I did um, allergy testing. Um, I was told to get a auto injector. So that's kind of when I got my OVQ uh, prescription. And that is just something that I have to have with me at all times, especially because of peanut being a major allergen. Um, That's just something that I have to carry with me just to be on the safe side. And I know If you are newer to the allergy world or just newer to the whole idea of having an auto injector with you, it may be something that you forget to carry with you. Um, It happens to everybody. Nobody is perfect. Uh, So it's just better to kind of just get into that, that cycle and system of like remembering to keep it with you. I know that I'm better at it some days than others um, but it's just something good to always carry with you because you just never know what types of situations that you're going to be put in you might be put in a situation where you try something and somebody says your allergen is not in it and then it's in it and then you have an anaphylactic allergen reaction and so it's just it, it, it turns into a hot mess really really quickly so it's just better to have it if your allergen is requiring you to have that type of a device with you which goes into that bucket of having a life-threatening allergy. So with that being said, um, with allergy testing, I kind of talked about a little bit of the risk of allergy testing, but some of the risk of allergy testing are having those symptoms like the retinas, the swelling of the skin, having that mild itching, which is the reason why it's important to do allergy testing in an actual doctor's office because you will have people around you, like usually a nurse, slash the doctor to be able to monitor you and see how your body is reacting because if your symptoms are leaning towards the life-threatening allergy situation then they will be able to provide you with that immediate medical attention and being able to consult you and being able to have it where they have those resources to give you the medication that you need have the equipment that they need such as like that epinephrine to be able to treat anaphylaxis uh, while you're in their doctor's office so it's always better to be in a doctor's office when you're doing the allergy testing and definitely call 911 if you have symptoms of anaphylaxis like the swelling of the throat, you have a, you're having difficulty breathing, low blood pressure, um, having a very fast heart rate, things like that. It's always better to seek medical care uh, when you're dealing with severe anaphylaxis. So kind of the aftermath of doing the allergy testing, once your doctor has determined that you have an allergy to said allergen or they just are able to identify what allergens are causing your symptoms, then they'll work with you to come up with a plan for avoiding and managing them and suggesting medications that can help with easing your symptoms. So like I said, so if you have environmental allergies like me and depending on the severity of them it could be something as simple as getting saline nasal spray or having to do sinus rinses or having to incorporate air filters within your living environment or you know having emergency epinephrine or going and getting antihistamines or corticosteroids or what have you so there's a lot of different paths to being able to get that allergy treatment that you need and putting that plan together but always 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 make sure that you're consulting your allergist and your doctor to make sure that you're doing what's best for you and your allergies and you're being safe about it and you are putting your health first but I hope you all enjoyed this episode and found it to be very very helpful and I, I hope interesting and insightful. If you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure that you are subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure to give us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify 
Hopefully your rating is five stars. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is at oh my allergies. My Instagram is at oh my Valencia. Keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye guys. Bye.